0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What is the cloud? It's not just pie in the sky anymore. SAP presents In the Cloud with Game Changers with your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Are you in the cloud yet? If you are, do you know how to maximize its potential? Get ready for an hour of innovations and innovators who will explain how they are using the cloud. Find out how to make it work for you or work more effectively for you. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome. Cloud computing, a positively disruptive innovation. I'm not sure if there's an oxymoron in there. Offering opportunities for every business, including yours. Today, our expert panel will discuss virtualization versus private cloud, maybe and maybe or. Let me give you a couple of quotes so you can hear how the genius that we're going to find out about SAP's Jeff Anders says, and I quote, there are a lot of misperceptions about virtualization and cloud computing based on outdated information, and Jeff is going to update us. Deloitte's Scott Wall adds, virtualization is a key step in creating a private cloud or internal cloud-like capabilities that can enhance the business. We're going to find out a lot more from Scott in the next hour on that. Dell's Kamish Pemaraju, a regular on SAP Radio, has good news for you who are worried what the cloud's going to do to what you already have. He says corporate data centers are not going away. Cloud computing is not the end of IT. So a lot of you listening, take a deep breath. It's okay. And Ovum's Roy Ilsley, Offers this metaphor, which I love, Roy. Cloud maturity is like a troublesome teenager. It could do a lot for you but it has difficulty when faced with choices. Tidy up the room or another match on FIFA 2012. I had to look that up, yes. If you have questions about how to chart your company's cloud course, you've come to the right place because now, drumroll please, you're in the cloud with Game Changers. Stay with us for the next hour for decisions, decisions, virtualization, or private cloud. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, thrilled to be here. This is episode number six, I think, already of a little show we started on the third of May our second series here on the business channel and I have a question for you you want to impress the crowd at work at the coffee machine go to SAP sapgamechangersradio.com and sign up for your free official sap radio mug on us. We'll even ship it to you. So let's hear about my special guest today. And boy, I have a really power-packed panel here. We've got a lot to talk about. Kamesh Pemuraju, Senior Product Manager for Cloud Solutions at Dell, with a specific focus on the Dell OpenStack-powered cloud solution. Kamesh is a subject matter expert on the cloud market and related technologies. He has consistently contributed to the technology community, including co-authoring the critically acclaimed Leaders in the Cloud Sand Hill Industry Study. Welcome back, Kamesh. A quick hello from you. How are you today?
2: Pretty good. That's glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you. Where are you calling from today, Kamesh?
2: I'm in beautiful Nashville, New Hampshire.
0: I'm glad it's beautiful. Well the weather has finally warmed up in blazing sunshine here on Long Island, so I'm hoping our we're sharing a weather system here. So let me introduce the rest of our panel, Roy Ilsley, principal analyst at Ovum, twenty three years of IT experience, working for a variety of consultancy and end user companies. His experience covers defense, utilities, automotive retail, and FMCG. That's a new one for me. Fast moving consumer goods industries. Welcome Roy. How are you in the cloud today? I'm
3: fine in the cloud, Bonnie, and how are you? It's uh, it's very good to speak to you over the other side of the pond there.
0: Thank you. And you've just finished the Jubilee. Maybe you'll interject that in the conversation later. We'd love to hear a report. No pressure, of course. And let's welcome Scott Wall, who is a member of a unique organization at Deloitte Consulting LLP called the SNET. We're just full of acronyms today, Solutions Network. That's a technology center of expertise that helps Deloitte practices sell and deliver projects, manage investments, and enable practitioners. He was previously a senior consultant working director. For SAP as a tech lead and senior technical manager for Mitsubishi Electric Automation. Welcome to In the Cloud. Scott Wall, how are you today?
4: Hi, Bonnie. Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to your contributions to the panel. And last but not least, don't feel left out. Jeff Anders joined SAP in May 2010 as Director of Solution Management in the Virtualization and Cloud Product Group. And that's why you're here today, Jeff, because you are right on the mark for what our topic is. Jeff is a member of the team responsible for establishing and driving the direction of new products to help SAP customers more effectively and efficiently deploy and manage their SAP applications in virtual and cloud environments. He previously held roles for over 16 years at Sun Microsystems. How are you, Jeff
5: Anders? Hi, Bonnie. Great to be here today. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. This is a high-powered panel, and let's get started. We're going to go down the list and talk about your quotes. So, Kamesh, you're saying, not to worry, IT is not going away, corporate data centers. Let's start with you. Uh, can you make that assured declaration to people that that virtualization, that private cloud, public cloud, it doesn't mean, whoosh, everything's going to change. There will still be some core investments left?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, when people talk about cloud, they, they somehow get this idea that someday we're going to throw a switch and everything will move to a public cloud. I don't think that's a practical or a realistic scenario. It just isn't going to happen anytime soon. And Just look at, look at the billions of dollars or even trillions of dollars that have been invested in IT infrastructure around the world. I think it will take several years to fully amortize and depreciate those assets um, so, what companies would want to do uh, until they have a sound public cloud strategy? Not that they're not moving to the public cloud. Many enterprises are, but mm-hmm. I'm simply saying that you know people have to look at what they have today. And I think I said this in one of my uh, one of the previous radio shows that not mm-hmm. only do they have a large number of IT infrastructure assets, they have tens of thousands of applications. A typical large enterprise has somewhere in the order of ten thousand applications. Um, so the challenge is for those for those companies to figure out you know, how can they take advantage of their existing infrastructure, and yet be able to take advantage of some of the new cloud computing technologies out there and move their applications to it.
0: Thank you, and I want to make sure we get everybody in. Would you believe we only have six minutes left till our first break? So let's talk to Scott Wall. You say virtualization is a key step in creating a private cloud or, and this is interesting, internal cloud-like capabilities that can enhance the business. What do you mean by that, Scott?
4: Well, I'm, well first, I'm, I'm always surprised to hear when organizations are reluctant to virtualize their, their infrastructure when the value proposition and return on investment uh, have been proven for so many years, from server consolidation to lower maintenance costs and reduced power consumption and cooling and so on, the, mm-hmm. these traditional benefits are very compelling before you even get into how virtualization can position organizations for a hybrid or private cloud or just cloud-like capabilities. So, um, you know, one acceptable reason is maybe they have a strategy to move something straight to a public cloud. But, you know, the fact is once once the infrastructure is virtualized, that backbone is going to provide flexibility to build automation and orchestration around it, things like rapid provisioning, self-service provisioning, uh, things like that. So virtualization really opens the doors to incredible opportunities besides the immediate ROI that's going to be realized.
0: I have a quick question for you. Would you help me level set here, please? Virtualization, can you define that for our audience so we don't lose anybody, Scott?
4: Uh, Sure. So I think the simplest definition is when you think about virtualization is taking physical servers and Mm -hmm. transforming them into a situation where they're virtual servers. You're able to consolidate a a large number of virtual systems on one physical system.
0: Okay. I'll go with that. Now let's go to uh, Jeff. Jeff Andrews, SAP. You said there are a lot of misperceptions about virtualization and cloud computing based on outdated information. First tell me, how outdated is that information and why are we still looking at it if it's old?
5: Yeah. So I I think the, the outdatedness of the information really depends upon the individual who's looking at it. Okay. Uh, you know, some some people are very good about keeping up to date on this information, and some people um, sort of heard something a few years ago and 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 think that this is still the reality of virtualization and cloud. Um, so I, I think that's uh, you know that's a big factor. Of it. But you know, this, this is a, a very dynamic environment. Is both virtualization and cloud and and the technology behind it and what you can do with it, and uh, you know, it's it's changing on a regular basis, and I think. Uh, you know, I think it's been said uh, already once in this conversation, um, uh, and it will probably be said again that the the, um, the real key here is for um, for IT people and people involved with uh, building out uh, infrastructures, whether on premise or off premise, really need to do their homework, Bonnie. And it's um, mm-hmm. you know, I agree with the comments uh, made made earlier. Um, from uh, Kamesh about you know, not everything is going to go to the cloud. I think that's probably mm-hmm. a true statement. And the, tr- and the key will be for, for people to do their homework and to build the business cases for what can and can't go to the cloud or what should or shouldn't go to the cloud.
0: Thank you, Jeff, and, you know, you just gave me a perfect segue. I'm going to bring Roy in here for a second before break, but you gave me a segue to say that's why we started this series on the Business Channel in the cloud with game changers, because people like the four of you are the ones with the current knowledge, with your finger on the pulse of cloud computing, which way to go, what kind of hybrid, what's right for your company, so that's why we want the Business Channel audience to know that this is the place to come every week to find out what the gurus say, the people who are in the Trenches with cloud helping to figure it out and carve that future. So thank you for that, Jeff and Roy. Roy, Roy, Roy. This charming metaphor you gave me, cloud maturity is a troublesome teenager. I think we can all remember those of us who are older parents. Uh, clean up your room fell on deaf ears. And and when my kids were growing up, we didn't have FIFA 2012 and handheld uh, game tools, and we didn't have all that good stuff. I can't remember what they had, but anyway, they're 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 all grown up and professionals now. So this is a very interesting metaphor to me troublesome teenager tell us what that means in terms of cloud maturity your reality there
3: well I think Bonnie what, what the first thing I want to get across to people listening is that cloud isn't about technology it's really about a state of mind because mm. cloud is really just another delivery mechanism for IT a lot of people get hung up on cloud and I would have used a different metaphor but we're live on the radio so I won't, I, I won't use that <laughs> one but, um, They've hung up about certain items and about certain things. Cloud is just a way of consuming and delivering technology to users. Now, virtualization is a route onto cloud, and that's true. It is a good route, and there's public clouds, and there's hybrid clouds, and all this sort of fancy words that we wrap around it. But really what it means to the end person sitting out there is, I can get what I want, and it's not given to me or pushed to me by the IT department. I'm in charge. I choose. I can make the choice of do I want to use this or this. And if I want to use this one, it's a bit like flying. If I want to fly and get to New York for 9 o'clock in the morning, it costs me X dollars. But if I don't mind getting up at a ridiculous hour in the morning and flying there later, I can get it cheaper. Those are the sorts of choices that people can make. And the reason I say it's a troublesome teenager is really because the whole sort of mindset about cloud is not clear. Organizations aren't really mature enough to sort of adopt the principles of cloud because there's internal politics that are stopping the true value of cloud helping businesses move forward. So I see what our discussion here is all about. is about opening people's minds to, it's there, it's ready, it can be used. There's a lot out there already. It's just, are you ready to adopt it, exploit it, get value out of it. And I agree with most of the callers. It's not a silver bullet. It's not going to replace technology. It doesn't mean CIO stands for career is over. It's just another (laughs) source of IT supply that people will use and the CIOs will have to manage, orchestrate and deliver.
0: Roy Ilsley has spoken. Roy, you are a darling. You've taken me right up to the break. This is In the Cloud with Game Changers. We have got a very smart panel for you today, but don't we always. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. When we come back, I'm going to read a quote. Kamesh, this will interest you, from an old Sand Hill paper that used to be called Beyond the Hot Air, is now called Past the Hot Air to the New Norm, all about what's going on in the mindsets of the kind of people Roy was talking about in terms of what do you really know about cloud computing. Don't even think of touching. That mouse, or however you're listening to us, we'll be right back.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again! SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP radio during the show. Now back to in the cloud with game changers.
0: Welcome back. Uh, When we left a couple of minutes ago, I was telling her I want to read a little quote from a Sand Hill paper. It used to be called Beyond the Hot Air. It's now called Cloud Computing Past the Hot Air to the New Norm. And I want to, as I love my phrase, level set. So those of you listening will understand that we're here for you. We're trying to tell you what you need. And here's the quote. Despite the significant cloud adoption rates, confusion still reigns around the term cloud computing. And that's what my guests have been saying. Many executives have trouble distinguishing cloud from several other high-tech trends like Web 2.0, social media, virtualization, our topic today, SaaS that's software as a service, IAAS, infrastructure as a service, etc., or simply web-based applications as simple as, well, what do we do every day, email, and collaboration applications. The countless incarnations of cloud strategy and vendor marketing and proprietary initiatives have combined to create a, a ubiquitous mystification in the marketplace. So I'm going to go back to my guest. Kamesh, I know you had something to do with writing the original version of this paper, and we're, we're now updating it, and I think you'll recognize a lot of what I just read. Uh, talk to me about the confusion. Is it getting any better, or is there still this, what, when you say cloud?
2: It's interesting. Um, I, I remember writing that paper almost mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, and you, you know, got it. Nothing, nothing's, nothing's really changed, unfortunately. There's still <laughs> as much confusion about what, quote-unquote, cloud means today that it did two years ago. The, the issue is, I think Roy said this best earlier, is people think of it as a technology. It's not. What it is is a set of promises that a service provider, whether it's an internal IT, IT group or an external cloud provider, it's a set of promises that those service providers make to their customers, and if a service offering keeps those promises, then I think you can label it cloud computing. That's really what it's all about. So, if you look at a data center, uh, can you take can you look at that and say, ah, that's a traditional data center, or can you say, aha, that's a private cloud? I don't think you can. It's sort of like you know, if you look at somebody that's driving a car, do you know if that person owns that car, rents that car? Or what? You have, you have no idea. It's, it's just that, you know, that particular car is taking that person from point A to point B and fulfilling its promise. So I think it's, it's the mindset needs to change in terms of how cloud computing is delivering on the promise of service levels to their customers. I think that's the best way to look at it. Technology has, has absolutely something to do with it. Over the last 10 years, a lot of new technologies came into being that makes it easy for businesses to be much more agile, much Mm -hmm. more cost-effective, and much more able to, uh, you know, be able to uh, work on the demands of the industry or the demands of the business. And cloud is definitely, the cloud technologies are definitely enabling that.
0: Thank you, Kamesh. That's a perfect segue for me to turn to Scott Wall at Deloitte. Scott, you have written in your notes to me, There are, and we said in the opening of the show, there are opportunities for every business to embrace cloud on some level, and I think that's what we want to focus on. Through development of a hybrid cloud, organizations can realize ultimate flexibility for their business. Talk to me about those levels, Scott. Uh, where does a business enter the cloud? Is this only, and I'm always asking this question on our shows, is this only for big, gigandus, huge businesses, that already understand what big data is, for example, or are we talking about uh, gleam-in-your-eye entrepreneurs starting a business? Where did they come into the cloud? Can you help me with this?
4: Yeah, to, to me, any business can use cloud on on, on some level. So uh, I have to say I, I agree with everything Kamesh said uh, about the, the confusion that's out there, and even the smarter companies that are developing cloud strategies are still trying to figure out, you know, what do I do first? And things are moving so fast. You know, is it the right time to to make an investment? And you know, w- what do I do? Um, so there's a lot of people that are waiting, and you know, waiting waiting for someone else to to make a big move and then and then go from there. But th- there's a lot of things that can be done today um, in terms of uh, you know organizations looking at their own infrastructure and automating uh, virtual, virtual virtualizing their infrastructure, as we said and really building orchestration around their internal environments. And, and once you virtualize your environments, they're portable. So you can start preparing yourself for perhaps later um, moving some of your systems, if you like, to to public clouds uh, and creating a hybrid-type environment. In the meantime, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, new company. New companies may be mm-hmm. able to go right to a public cloud because they don't have the, the years and years of infrastructure Legacy systems that they built up, perhaps they can go directly with a software as a service uh, type solution. But I'm speaking really about the companies that that have that infrastructure; uh, they have that investment already. There's a lot of things they can do. They can even experiment and compare different public cloud solutions, or leverage use cases uh, out on public cloud, uh, such as you know just testing out new software, training systems. There's all kinds of things that they can use uh, public cloud for. While they're testing out those vendors and in the meantime optimizing their internal investments and getting ready for a hybrid type cloud environment.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about public versus private. You know, uh, in an ongoing radio series, you never know how many episodes the audience in particular today have listened to. So I never want to miss the opportunity to do some definition, some level setting, as I say. So Roy, why don't you, uh, would you like to take us through? Private, public, hybrid, let's let's give some definitions so people can say. You'll never guess what I heard on SAP radio today. What do you think?
3: Yeah, okay, well, uh, the, the private cloud is essentially a term that's co- grown up from people with their data centers, behind their firewalls, creating uh, an infrastructure environment that can support the delivery of services to its internal customers um, on a basis that's... Um, pay-for as a pay-as-you-go basis. Um, they don't have to fund the infrastructure themselves. So private mm-hmm. cloud is behind the firewall. You've got the equipment. It's just reusing that equipment to deliver the services to your customers in a different way. Public cloud is uh, large companies that are set up with large data centers. i have got racks and racks of servers and storage. And what they're doing is they're offering sort of, instant access with a credit card click here three clicks you can have a server up and running to have a web uh, a website up and running for 3 months 6 months however long you want so the olympics is coming to london in 50 days time so if you've got a small business you want to promote your business you've got no it public cloud somebody like amazon or rackspace you go there you rent that service off them promote your business for 50 days at the end of 50 days When you've sold all your stuff, you shut it down, you've got no capital outlay. Hybrid is where everybody expects the market to go, and hybrid is the space in the middle that's saying, I've got something behind the firewall, and I don't want to go out to somewhere like Amazon or Rackspace that is Mm -hmm. completely public, completely sort of my data's intermingled with everybody else's data. I want to keep it sort of separate so it's mine, but it's not on my premises. So The hybrid approach is you can extend your data center out to a service provider that will provide you with that capability so you can shrink and grow as demand shrinks and grows. So those are basically the three
0: definitions. Thank you, Roy. This was great. And, and I want to bring up another point that uh, Jeff Anders sent me an interesting piece of trivia that is not at all trivial. We are talking about cloud. I believe a lot of people listening are saying, wow, this sounds new and exciting. Well, it may be exciting, but it's not necessarily new. And Jeff Anders told me that in 1961 at the MIT Centennial Celebration, a particular computer scientist named John McCarthy, who, by the way, invented the term AI, artificial intelligence, suggested publicly the concept of cloud. Why don't you give us a little background on John McCarthy, Jeff Anders, please?
5: Sure, Bonnie. And, and if I could, I'd actually like to, to uh, just make a quick comment about Roy's yes. uh, definitions there. and And sure. uh, not, not to confuse the audience anymore, but I might make a slight uh, amendment to his definition of private cloud. I actually prefer the definition that the National Institute of Standards and Technology subscribes to, which is actually, I would encourage listeners to actually go to that site, to that NIST site, nist.org, and look at the definition that they suggest, because they actually put in perspective platform as a service, software as a service, and they, they do it by characterizing the characteristics and the deployment model. So it's a good site. The definition of private cloud is slightly different, I think, than Roy suggested, which is it doesn't, define the location, meaning whether it's on or off-premise, it defines Mm -hmm. how it's used, meaning that it's provisioned for a single organization. And so it's slightly different than what Roy suggested, but I think um, it's probably one I would subscribe to uh, in favor of defining it by where it actually exists.
0: Well, you know something, we love a good debate here, so I'm, 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 I always tell my guests, challenge each other, just don't throw chairs, we're not Jerry Springer. So let's talk about John McCarthy. So right. 1961, here he is, he's standing up in front of the world, he's this, i pardon the term, brainiac, who invented AI, as if that wasn't genius, and he's talking about this thing that we now bandy about as the term cloud or cloud computing. So tell us a little bit more about what he said.
5: Yeah, so he's you know, as, as you said, he's he's very well known in the computer computer industry, computer science industry, or or, or that arena. And you know, his um, I think you know in some ways his his uh, speech that day at MIT was you know definitely very forward-looking. And I think the point here is that um, as is the case in, in in a lot of situations with technology, and specifically around you know IT, the IT organization. Um, it was a good idea, and he probably had some force, foresight into what could happen, but not all the pieces were there at the time. Not all mm-hmm. the things were sort of, not all the stars were aligned, if you will, when it comes to a technology perspective. You know, we're in a position now in, in 2012 um, where those stars are better aligned when it comes to network technology, storage technology, and all of the technologies that have to come together to form what we call cloud computing today. And and we've seen this in the past, this is very common. We've we've seen this uh, with other technologies, you know, uh, Java for for, for one. You know, Java, if you looked at Java, it's an interpreted language, you know, we could get into the technologies of it, and, and I don't mean to, you know, I think Java is a great thing for sure, but when you look at it, there's a lot of things that existed prior to Java. And there was a team at Sun Microsystems that took these existing things, innovated on top of that, and produced what we now know today as Java. And I think the same thing is probably true with cloud computing. There's a lot of underlying technology that has existed for some time. People mm-hmm. have innovated on that and have um, used that as a basis to build to what we now know as cloud computing. But at the core level, um, I think the, the, the concept or the idea has existed for some time.
0: Right, and he was basically talking about computer time-sharing technology. That was about what it was, but I have another piece of trivia, if you'll allow me, Jeff. When you told me John McCarthy, I had to, being curious, but not from Missouri, the show-me state, I had to look it up, and guess what I found out? Everybody listen up. John McCarthy was thrown out of Caltech. He was expelled from college. You know why? He didn't go to his P.E. class. Now, I bet that's still happening. And listen, here's how he got back in good graces. He served in the U.S. Army. He was readmitted to Caltech. He got a B.S. degree in math in 1948. He was married three times, and two of his wives were tech people. One was a programmer. One was a Stanford computer science scientist. So he loved the company of smart women. I would have loved to have met him. Maybe he's still around. I don't know. We'll get on a date here. So the point is that those of you who are listening in the audience, embrace this new technology, which is not that new, and don't hesitate to think, what's going on? What can I add? What can I dream up? Because you don't even have to be a college grad to be a brainiac person. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, I'm Enough Philosophizing. You're listening to In the Cloud with Game Changers, and yes, we are. We'll be right back after the break with another half hour of great information. Don't even think of touching that dial. Justin, over and out.
1: Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers.
0: I have to do a shout-out to two of our active tweeters today. Of course, we have co-producer Malcolm Kimberlin, at sign sales underscore MKT at SAP, tweeting all of the wonderful words of wisdom coming out of the mouths of my guests. And we also are joined today by Greg Chase at SAP, at sign Greg Chase. That's easy. And Greg, uh, by the way, whoever mentioned, I think it was Jeff mentioned, the NIST definition of cloud computing. Greg was kind enough to put that into Twitter for us. So you can pick up the link and you can do that very easily by going to pound sign sap radio how easy is that roy ilsley let's get deeper into the topic of virtualization then i know everybody's going to jump in after you so let's get back on topic here what would you like to add
3: yeah one thing i would like to add here is i mean we've been talking about virtualization and cloud and i think what most people accept here bonnie is that virtualization is is an on-ramp to cloud it's not the only on-ramp but it's the most popular and it's the most talked about, and it's the one most organizations understand. Um, And I think what you find along this journey that we're we're guiding people down is that virtualization, Mm -hmm. if you've not got it, or if you have got it and you're just beginning to learn about it, requires you to think about IT management differently. You've got to do things differently because virtualization makes life simple on one level, but underneath when you lift the HUD, there's lots of bits of wire connecting lots of bits of things together, so it's an awful lot more complicated to actually manage. When you get into the, the cloud space, cloud is actually forcing new thinking on the organizational management, because one of the big things with cloud, and, and we've not really touched on, but one of the big things that cloud mm-hmm. forces organizations to do is look at how they fund IT. IT, as I've quite often said to my audiences when I speak to them, is IT is very good at spending money. It spends other people's money very good. And we have lots of spreadsheets, and we can tell you exactly what we spent it on and how much a server costs and how much a bit of storage costs and how much five hours of this consultant costs and three hours of that promo cost. That's fantastic. But when you move into the cloud, you're putting control back. You're democratizing IT, which means you're giving control back to the end user. And therefore, what you're going to see is them being charged or the use of IT as a utility type approach. Now, that's going to mean variable budgets for IT. And if you're in the public sector, I've um, a, a client of ours in Australia, a big government department, the guy down there said, I'm 100% virtualized. I've got one virtual machine per server. And when mm-hmm. I said why, he said, well, if the department runs out of money after 10 months, I can't take the IT away from them, can I? So he was ready. Organization wasn't ready to adopt it because they hadn't got the funding and the governance right for how to work with cloud. And that's as I, as I said earlier and a lot of the speakers have been saying is there's a lot of misconceptions out there. People don't really know what it is, but they're beginning to get what it is.
0: They are, and I want to ask Kamesh, who's now at Dell, to talk about this. And, Kamesh, you and I have discussed the the inside culture in a company before, I believe, about the mindset it takes to go to the cloud and understand it and know what to do and what's best for your business goals, your strategies, your mix, your budget. So talk to us about, let's add on to what Roy said, please.
2: So I, I was saying earlier, Bonnie, that one of the biggest challenges that a typical IT organization faces is the amount of time that they spend maintaining things. Uh and virtualization doesn't actually solve that problem. In fact, if you take a any virtualized data center, there are many, many, many more virtual machines that they have to deal with than physical servers. So it, it just increases the complexity of the whole thing. And you know, I was giving an example earlier in I think in one mm-hmm. of the shows where, you know, companies like Amazon and Google and and Microsoft have data centers that have tens and thousands of servers, and, of course, they're all virtualized in cloud, how many people do they have managing those things? And it turns out, um, I think this is the example I used last time, is uh, the Chicago data center that Microsoft manages has something like a half a million servers, and guess how many people actually manage it? It's only mm. about 30 or 40 people. Mm. That's unheard of in the enterprise context. So you, you can. Bet. You can imagine the level of automation, the level of cloud. That's what cloud brings to the table. It reduces your maintenance. It reduce, It increases automation. It, it takes the time away from you having to manage and maintain and take care of an upgrade and all of that stuff that you traditionally do in an enterprise, and then focus your resources on best for the business, which is increasing innovation, agility. You know, work on strategic and mission-critical apps. That have business value, uh, and that that's the real business value of the cloud. If you have a lot of people just maintaining and keeping the lights on, and why why are you in the business of running data centers if that's not your focus, okay. right? I mean, that's the fundamental question that needs to be asked. And many companies in the business are running a data center rather than running their business.
0: Very interesting point of view. And I know we, one of the other guests talked about uh, scalability as another benefit of cloud where you can use as much as you want for businesses that are seasonal or have peaks or are doing things like running auctions. Uh, if it's a, a goods company, manufacturing, want to get rid of inventory, you can scale up, you can scale down. You don't have that infrastructure investment that you're going to have sitting around doing nothing when that peak passes. So thank you, Kamesh. Scott Wall, Deloitte, you want to add to this, please?
4: Yeah, um uh, first uh, I agree with uh, Kame, what what said about virtual machine sprawl. That that can happen very easily mm-hmm. when organizations virtualize. So, uh companies are used to physical systems that take uh weeks or even months sometimes to provision, and now they move into an environment where you you can bring up new virtual machines in minutes. So, it's very easy uh for the sprawl to occur just because it's 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 faster and it's easier to bring new systems up. So, Organizations really need to, to plan for that. Uh, they're also used to asset management, serial numbers of, of physical systems. There still mm-hmm. has to be a way to track and manage all these systems. So they need to plan for uh, new tools, new ways of doing things, and new ways of collaborating. And by collaborating, I mean not just with the business, which is essential, because everything they should be doing should be driven from the business in terms of the exact uh, value that this virtualization is bringing, um, but internal IT departments need to collaborate perhaps more than they ever have before. And by that, I mean the virtualization teams and the application teams, because the virtualization teams, a lot of times, uh, that's their specialty. They don't know the applications. The application teams, they need to step up their game and learn the best practices for that virtualization stack and have the, the right c- conversations. So the virtualization implementation goes very smoothly. Um, In the end, the business is going to win because the ultimate value should be more agility to the business.
0: Scott, how long does it typically take these teams you mentioned to get their mindset, to get this wrapped around, to do their research, and then to talk to each other and make these hopefully business-based decisions? Is this a process that takes weeks, months, years? What's the lag time in actually getting to get the benefits of the cloud?
4: There's no exact answer. It's different for every organization. So those organizations that, that collab, where that collaboration already exists, they're going to be the most successful. The organizations where you need to break those walls down, um, and I've experienced this, it's going to take longer. Um, it's going to take some table pounding. It's going to take some new ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take uh, approvals from the highest levels um, and maybe even forcing, in uh, some cases, people to work together. Uh, to essentially, you know, get this end product that's going to provide, you know, business value. Um, to me, and, and I come from an SAP background, I'll just give you one example where I've seen,
2: yeah.
4: uh, you know, companies that have a virtualization team, they force the business. And I, I say force, but it, it winds up being a good thing because they want to virtualize. They rapidly virtualize all their systems without involving the application teams the best practices haven't been applied, so perhaps they're not getting the best performance they can. And in my opinion, the technical application teams that are responsible for maintaining these systems, they sometimes aren't given the access that they need and the visuals into, well, what is the performance of my system? What's the mm-hmm. capacity of this new environment? And they really need to see that information. Um, you know, it's great that the virtual virtualization teams can see that, but really, your support teams need to be given access, at least read-only access, so they can see what's going on with their systems, and they can support them correctly. And the biggest thing I'll mention there is these application teams really need to step up their game and learn the virtualization stack that they're now on. So they need to learn more about virtualization, and like I said, what are the best practices for their specific applications so they'll run properly on virtualized servers.
0: Thank you, Scott. And we're almost at break, but I want to get Jeff Anders from SAP. I want to get your voice in here. I'm noticing that you agree wholeheartedly with, I think Kamesh said it and everybody else agreed, that you should move to the cloud for business reasons, not technical reasons. Uh, Jeff, in the next 42 seconds, which is more than I should even give you, can you tell us, can you reinforce that? Uh, companies, are they inclined to say, oh, it sounds great, let's do what we want to be technically wow? How do you get them back to that business case real fast?
5: Yeah, and so I agree a hundred percent with what all of the co-panelists said. Because I mean, the reality is, if you if if we listen to what has been said here, if you base the decision solely on technical reasons, you would never do this, right? The thought of having to break down barriers inside the company, establish these new communication channels, manage you know all these you know thousands of virtual machines and everything this is a scary proposition. And, and it, so you really have to look at this from the business perspective and really think about. What is the business trying to achieve? They're trying, you know, are you trying to implement new business processes faster? Are you trying to integrate with partners, suppliers faster or so on and so forth? So, you know, are you trying to bring new uh, products to market or new offerings to your customers uh, faster in, 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 in a wider area? And, and these are the things that, that I think are going to drive those decisions because what you need to answer first is the what. And then mm-hmm. the how will come out of that. And the how, in some cases, as we you know, said, the how will sometimes be public cloud. Sometimes the how will be just virtualization. Sometimes the how will be none of the above. And I need to just keep this on an on-premise system for you know, compliance reasons or security reasons or you know something you know whatever those reasons may be. So I think it's really important again just to reinforce what everyone else has said here that, that the first question that needs to be the what, and then what you can for answer the how. the business?
0: Thank you, Jeff. We are at the breakpoint here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to a very lively conversation, which uh, Carter Lusher predicted when he was tweeting about Roy Ilsley's participation on the show today. We're talking about, well, let's just talk about what's in the cloud. It's really a broad-brush conversation. I'll be back with the wrap-up. We call it the crystal ball. We're going to ask my guests to look ahead five years or at any time frame from right now into the future. Kamesh of Roy Ilsley Scott Wall, Jeff and And we're going to read a couple of statistics that Jeff sent me from Gartner and Cisco. We will amaze you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back.
1: The Business Community's First Choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP radio during the show. Now back to in the cloud with game changers.
0: I promised you some statistics and I will not go back on my promise. These were sent to me by Jeff Anders. And as soon as I'm done with this, we're going to go into the crystal ball because this is a tight last segment. More than 50% of global 1000 companies will have stored customer sensitive data in the public cloud. Did you get all that? Customer sense of data in the public cloud by the end of 2016. That's a Gartner quote. And here's a quote from Cisco. Cloud computing traffic will increase 12-fold by the year 2015 from 130 extabytes to 1.6 zettabytes. I can't even calculate that. So let's go to Crystal Ball. Kamesh Pemaraju with Dell. What do you see five years ahead or any time frame you would like to share with us? Kamesh, Crystal Ball,
2: Go. So I think we have to differentiate between the consumer market and the enterprise market when we talk about crystal balls. Today, at home, I'm already in the public cloud. In fact, all of us are. Most of us are. right? Um, the enterprise is slower to, uh, to embrace it. So at Dell, I'm in the middle of – I work in cloud solutions, and I work with the ecosystem. I work with the market. The pace at which things are moving is just incredible. If you talk about networks, storage, compute – in applications, platform layers—everything is changing as we speak. So there's a major movement going on. I can't even—I can't even predict what will happen in a year from now. I mean, things mm-hmm. are changing on a daily basis. Um, my prediction is that you know, whether it's public or private clouds, in the next two to three years, we'll have all the building blocks that are that are required to build clouds, whether it's private or public. And pretty much everyone, you know, all the industry players will move in that direction. You know, virtualization, we talked about, that's been around for 10 years, but this is going to be a, 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 an order of magnitude faster. Two to three years from now, I expect a lot of companies will be in the cloud, whether it's private or public. Uh, I Thank don't know what it is. Maybe it's 70%. That's a why I ask yes. You know.
0: Thank it's you, Kamesh. You're breaking up a little bit, so I'm going to go to the next speaker, and if we have time, we'll get back to you. That was great predictions. You always know what's coming up. I think you own that crystal ball, Kamesh. Roy Ilsley, Ovum, what do you see across the pond and up in the sky and in your crystal ball, Roy?
3: Well, I think one of the things that um, we've not really touched on when we've been talking about this is uh, one of the big inhibitors to mass adoption of the cloud. And one of the big inhibitors that we see is there's a lack of standards out there. There is no single cloud standard that means workloads can be moved from um, one cloud to another cloud. Um, you can't move workloads necessarily from an Amazon to a Rackspace to a VMware private cloud or to anything else. So what we're seeing, what we're what we're expecting to see is the future of the cloud in the next five to ten years will be. It will be like the airline industry. You're going to get not one cloud. You're probably going to get four, five, maybe six mega clouds big ecosystems and they are going to be like co-chairing airlines so you're going to have lots of different people playing in them so workloads can move around within that ecosystem moving between ecosystems will be more difficult uh, and require remedial work so you're not going to do away with sort of like nigeria air or Brussels air those airlines Mm -hmm. are still going to exist those cloud providers are still going to exist but they'll just use the standards and approaches of the bigger ecosystem, so I think cloud is, is, is there. It's going to have a future. I'm minded of uh, uh, a prediction that was made back in 1991 by Stuart Alsop, and we just spoke about this earlier, didn't we, uh, Bonnie? Um, uh, yeah. Who famously predicted that the last mainframe would be switched off on the 15th of March 1996? It never happened. <laughs> cloud is not going to dominate the world. It's not going to make everything else redundant. What it's going to do is it will be a source of IT that people will use and they will use it where appropriate, and they will use other things where that is appropriate, so we 're not moving to this child mentality of all race down one end of the uh, end of the pitch to chase the ball mm-hmm. it's going to be spread out a bit more we 're going to use it where it's right, but it's going to take an organization to mature to see that, and standards and governments adopting cloud. Will help the standards approve when people will be able to adopt it.
0: Thank you, Roy. Great information. Scott Wall, Deloitte Consulting Solutions Network, SNET. I can give you a minute and a half on the clock. Tight. Talk to me, Crystal Ball. Scott.
4: Sure. So um, just to comment quickly on, on, on what Roy mentioned. So I, I agree. Um, I think it's beyond five years, but there's going to be a lot of different clouds out there, and there's going to have to be new mechanisms, single sign on. Uh, mechanisms and security like we've never seen before to make sure that, that all these interactions are are, are secure uh, and seamless. Uh, but in terms of my crystal ball prediction uh, with Kamesh, uh, you know, in the next five years, I, I think, you know, in, in terms of the enterprise market and public cloud infrastructure as a service, that's going to continue to grow significantly, but it's going to be predominantly non-production environments, especially for enterprise applications. And as organizations with performance and security concerns kind of sh- continue to shy away, there will be new developments that ease some of these concerns, but hybrid cloud is going to be king. It's going to be the preferred model for five years and beyond with, you know, businesses focusing on virtualizing for those who haven't and optimizing their, their private clouds. And then we're going to see the improvements in portability and integration technologies and hopefully standards as well that will begin to make things more seamless, um, between on-premise and public.
0: Thank you very much, Scott and Jeff Anders. Round us up here, Crystal Ball. What do you see?
5: Yeah, so I, I think this is uh, sort of just more of what we've been hearing. I, I would, you know, I would say the same thing. We are, we are hearing the demand from customers that we talk to about this uh, portability um, between clouds and the integration between on-premise and off-premise and and so forth. And. Um, you know, I think this is, customers will drive technology, uh, the, the, the customer desire will drive technology to this in that they don't want to be locked to a particular cloud. They want the freedom to be able to move from cloud to cloud as their, their needs dictate. It might be price, it might be performance, it might be other reasons. And having a standard like, for instance, Tosca, uh, which is a, a way to model applications uh, to to basically be cloud neutral uh and and use that as a way to move applications from cloud to cloud, uh are we're gonna see a lot more demand for this, we're gonna see customers push for this. And you know my prediction is um, the ones uh, you know the, the the cloud service providers that uh adopt standards and give the customers the freedom of choice Uh, will survive and those that don't will probably quickly go by the wayside because customers won't want to be locked into a single vendor like that in the years to come.
0: Thank you, Jeff. Thank you all. I'm going to have to do our wrap-up here. And you know what? I have my own crystal ball predictions because I know what's coming up next week on SAP Radio. June 14th, Me and My Shadow. We're going to talk about rogue IT, Topic suggested to us by Greg Chase, who's tweeting for us now. June 21st, cloud strategy and co-innovation. You won't want to miss that one. Big, popular topic. And I can predict you're going to want to spend your Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern with me right here on the Business Channel for Coffee break with game changers. June 13th next week, have we got a special show for you. Sanjay Poonen from SAP will be joined by Esteban Kolsky talking about the mobilization of the enterprise, more mobility. We love to talk about that. And June 20th, I've got an amazing panel for you talking about the future of retail banking. Now remember, you want to impress the guys and gals around the coffee machine at work? Go to visit sapgamechangersradio.com. Sign up with the business email address and we will send you a gorgeous, oversized, official SAP radio mug on us. Thank you to Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm Kimberlin, J- Greg Chase, team at the Business Channel, and my special guest, Kamesh Pemaraju Royalsley, Scott Wall, Jeff Anders. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great week. We'll see you next week here on In the Cloud with Game Changers. Bye bye.
1: Thank you again for being part of In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Please join Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. And be sure to tune in to our other program, Coffee Break with Game Changers, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, also on the Business Channel. Between shows, visit us at www.sapgamechangersradio.com.